Welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, teen culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Communicating through conflict. That's the topic for today. It's been really heavy on my heart lately. I just finished a student leadership summit and the kids in that school district were incredible. But of course, broke down communication, connection, and confidence, my three pillars with this group of student leaders. And when it came time to talk about communication, part of communication is not just me talking to you. A big part of communication is conflict because we live in a world where conflict is non-negotiable because we're all human. Humans have differing opinions because we have different experiences and different backgrounds and different goals and different ideas of what right and wrong looks like because of who we are, how we were raised, what our beliefs are, right? This is life. You cannot walk through life with another human being and not have conflict. So when I'm in this student leadership summit, we're talking about communication and then we're digging into communicating through conflict. It's been truly conflict is everywhere. These high school students that I was talking with were walking through these hard friendship pieces, kids being mean pieces. Uh, what we go through in conflict in our younger selves helps groom us in how we handle conflict as adults. And, you know, I say all of the high school kids that I worked with from the kids who were homeless and the kids who decided to go against gang life, which was what they were a part of prior to being on my team, down to the kids who grew up with everything they ever needed and their choice of schools that they wanted to attend. It still boils down to you all have these different experiences that groom us and make us who we are. And whoever we are, whatever experiences we've been through, that background life, it goes with us into the workspace. It goes with us into adulthood. So the high school kids that I taught grew up to go work in your spaces, the good, bad, and ugly. So when I work with companies, we talk about the link between the experiences I had as a teacher is that those kids that I worked with just grew up and joined your company. It doesn't mean they completely changed. There's still experiences sitting in the background that help make them who they are. And that applies to how we communicate. And that applies to how we handle conflict. So I want to deep dive into communication 101. And I want to let that bleed into conflict because those two go hand in hand. Communication is something that's really important to me. I'm super passionate about it. Of course, I coached it. I taught it in regular general ed as well. Now that technology is taking over our world, there are so many of us who struggle with quality communication. We struggle with having good conversations. We struggle with what the codes of a message are because we don't know. We can text message all day, but sometimes writing a good English paper and giving a good speech are a struggle. So communication is something that's really a passion of mine because if, you, if you're a good communicator, it will help you in your business, in your company, with your clients, with your patients, but it for sure helps you in conflict, which like I've said before, there is no way that we can avoid conflict. If you are sitting in a space right now and you're thinking, I don't need to listen to this because I don't have conflict in my home. 
I don't have conflict at work. I don't have conflict with my employees. That probably means there's more conflict than you realize because you're not dealing with it. Pushing it under the rug doesn't make it go away. Okay. So that's why listening in can be really helpful. I do believe in the power of communication and communicating well through conflict. Okay. Let's dig into communication one-on-one. Let's just spend a few minutes on communication. In a message, there are three codes. They are verbal, nonverbal, and vocal. Now, verbal communication is what's actually being said. The words coming out of my mouth. Let's break down the nonverbal communicators. Okay. Eye contact, appearance, facials, gestures, body language, proxemics, which is your space, and haptics, which is your touch. Those are your big nonverbal communicators. And then there's vocal communication, which is how the message is being communicated. This is every time you talk to your mom and she says, don't talk to me like that. It's tone. It's, it's how you use your inflection or lack thereof. It really does kind of link to the intention of the words you are saying. So verbal, vocal, nonverbal. The cool thing about this and the, the takeaway from this is 55% of your message is not the words you say. It's nonverbal communication. This is the look on your face. This is you crossing your arms. This is the way that you stand. It is the way you show up to the meeting and you showing that you care enough to be dressed to impress or whatever. Those nonverbal indicators mean more than the words that actually come out of your mouth. I can't preach that enough, how aware we need to be of our face, of using gestures. These nonverbal indicators do not just link to how people perceive us and hear our message, but they also start to resonate with us and how we talk to ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. So nonverbal leaks in, in a lot of ways. And of course, we'll dig into that down the line at some point because it's so powerful and important. But for today, I want you to hear those are the three codes and that nonverbal communication is crucial. It's really, really, really important. Now, when we tear those pieces apart, we dig deeper into communication is not just what I'm saying. Communication is how I hear and listen. Now, the difference between listening and hearing is important to point out. Because hearing is passive. I can hear people outside my window, right? I can hear that there's an argument amongst my kids while I'm doing this podcast. But I'm listening actively. So in a conversation, I am listening to what you're saying because I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next. I'm actually actively taking in your words. I'm actually listening to what you have to say with the full intent of really and truly processing what you're sharing. And then thinking about what I'm gonna say, not thinking about the argument while you're saying it. So listening is probably the hardest skill for us to learn. It's an important skill to learn. Now, listening in the world of conflict, it's the best hack that I could give to you. And I'd love you to just for a second, think about how well you sit in the listening space. How well do you, in the middle of conflict or conversation that might get heated, maybe it's not even conflict, maybe it's just really good conversation. How good are you at just sitting and really taking in what others are saying? Not for the sake of what you're going to say next, but for the sake of being intentional about processing what they're saying. And I like to call that listening from the back of your head because it's like your whole head is is really keyed in. It's not about you. There's a million reasons why that's impactful, especially in conflict. But today, I want you to just process what that means. Now, 
When you are thinking through conflict, there are two types of conflict. There is closing conflict and resolution conflict. We're just going to break it down to the two most simplest forms. Those are the two types of conflict, the two types of interpersonal conflict that you you will end up dealing with. So today I'm going to talk through tips and tricks. I'm going to be utilizing some of those communication things that I just shared. Hopefully when I'm talking through, you have an idea of what verbal, nonverbal, and vocal are now, but how do you navigate conflict? How do I communicate through conflict in a way that hopefully leads to resolution? Because I think that's what people are most interested in. Closing conflict is I'm ending this relationship and there's there's nothing I've already tried to go through the resolution conflict. There's nothing that needs to be set or done differently. For me, this is toxic. For the company, this is not good. For the school district, we are done. For the kid on the team who needs to quit a team that's not feeding them, whatever the case is. That is your closing conflict. So when I'm looking at what I want to focus first on, it's resolution conflict. Because I'm hoping that that's where we sit. I want to resolve conflict in a way that's healthy and helps us thrive. Okay, so four tips for either type of conflict. Four tips for either type of interpersonal conflict. Prep, place, posing a question and listening, and keeping control. Those are the four steps overall. So let's just break those apart first. It links to resolution conflict. It links to uh, closing conflict, both of them. Prep. Number one, when you are dealing with a conflict, when you are dealing with somebody who has said unkind things about you, which was an example given to me by that student. When you are dealing with a disagreeance with a spouse or a disagreeance at work, here's the prep piece I want you to think through. What are the pressure points? What are the issues that make this a conflict? What brings this into a problem space? And try to not only think about it from your perspective, think about it from someone else's perspective, which is the very first thing that we should do in conflict. If I am only thinking about my perspective, of course, I'm going to come at it differently. And the idea of shutting your brain off and thinking about others' perspectives is a gift to give the whole world. It's a gift that if I could change anything about our whole world, it would be let us see each other's perspective because that lack of empathy and that lack of seeing that maybe you are not the only one with a problem or a pressure point is really impactful in agreeing to disagree. But also maybe just seeing through the conflict. So the question is, do you both see the same problem? And probably in conflict, it's usually a no. We don't see the same problem. Number three in prep is what do you need? What is the floor plan? I need for us to be okay on the other side of this. I need for her to be kinder to my children, or I need for my boss to understand why the workload that I keep getting is too much. What, what, is the need that you have in the floor plan for getting there in your mind. And then you've got to schedule it. In order to prep out a, a conflict, you schedule a time. Can we sit down and talk? That helps you prep out a space and a time. So let's talk a little bit more about space, which is number two. The place needs to be neutral. And in, in the world of business, we are accustomed to your CEO, your leadership sitting behind this great big desk. And showing who's boss, which you are. If you are the leader of that company, I get it. But I want us to think through the conflict and through how it feels on the other side, if we're stepping in other people's shoes for the sake of empathy, this, I am bigger and better than you 
being how that conversation starts is always going to possibly taint the positive. So having a neutral space that might not be your big desk in front of the person you have conflict with it's a great first step. And, and if you're like, what, what is the place? Maybe you're sitting beside each other in two chairs rather than putting something between you. Or here's a great tip. Walk it out. Now, this is great for like spouse time. If I'm struggling and looking at you is hard, a walk is a great hack because I'm walking beside you. I'm not giving up on it. I can't walk out of the room. I'm walking with you around the neighborhood or whatever, but I'm not stuck looking you in the eye so I can think and walk. And of course, just the good endorphins that from, from walking can kind of help soothe the anxiousness. So walking out, if that's possible, which is not always possible in a workspace, but it might be in a home space. It might be even in a school space. Just like, take a lap with each other walking through the conflict. It's a really positive way to kind of narrow a space down that could be positive. And then of course, in person, my gosh, Texting a conflict is hard. And, and you know, lots of things can be misconstrued through text. So I challenge you to not do that. Phone calls might be the only way that you can get it done because maybe you work remotely. But if there's any way to do it in person, I think that that's important because reading, what did we just say about nonverbal communication? That's 55% of our message. Being able to read someone else's response is really important. And that response is not just in their words. It's in their face. It's in the way they sit in the way they do or don't cross their arms. So being able to lean into those nonverbal cues is very helpful. So that means in person, first choice. On Zoom, second choice. Phone calls so you can hear tone of voice would be third choice. Uh, text message, email, don't do that. Okay, number three is pose a question and listen. So this, again, we're, these are the four tips that apply to both interpersonal types of conflict. Pose a question and listen. Hold space for them. So if I'm starting this conflict, starting with a question is a great way to do it because that means I'm going to put the ball in your court right away. I've scheduled a meet time to talk. We're walking around or we're sitting in a neutral space and I start with a question. That starting with a question lets them respond first and helps it one, they help soothe anxiousness because they get to talk first and maybe they're really nervous and they don't know what's saying. You'll be able to gauge that. You'll be able to listen in on on where they're struggling a little bit, depending on your question, but being able to just share out that I don't need to talk first is impactful. And then again, what did I say about listening? After listening to understand, let them finish. Lord have mercy, do not interrupt. That is hard. But don't interrupt somebody when they're rattling. Now, if you're a rattler, you just keep on a going. You might be part of the conflict problem. That might be part of the conflict problem. You both coming at the conflict with the ability to actively listen to each other, which means that you don't overtake the conversation because you just keep rattling on is important. And you can't control everybody else. That's key piece in conflict. So for you, just control yourself on the best that you can, which means try your best to not interrupt because interruption is not going to help solve conflict. And when you're listening to understand, here's a key hack. More information could be helpful. Let them talk. Get more information out of them. One, the information might be helpful in your case. Two, it might be helpful in you understanding the different perspectives, which could lead to empathy. So listening for you to actually process and take in that extra information is a great hack in starting conflict. And then, of course, be careful with your verbals and your nonverbals. That's going to be for 
both resolution and closing conflicts. All right, number four is peacefully keep control. Control your emotion. That means language and yelling need to take a back seat. And if you are a very driven person, if you put your heart into everything you do and you are a little bit emotional, maybe that's easy for you to get a little heated and, and raise your voice and yell. And you know what? Sometimes that's something I struggle with. But that's never going to have a positive impact on other people, ever. You are putting yourself at a disadvantage in conflict if you are yelling or you have language. So remember, when you throw out language or you throw out a raised voice, you just knocked yourself back a couple spaces in the game. You're losing all by yourself. You're losing all by yourself because you chose to not peacefully keep control. Now, it may be like, I didn't choose it. Julie, it's hard. Okay, I get it. I do. Just breathe through it. Breathing in for three seconds and breathing out for three seconds will help slow your heart rate. So if you can feel it coming on, if you can train yourself to feel that I'm going to blow coming on and you just remind yourself to breathe, which I think does take time and practice, not to push like, oh, I hope you have enough conflict you can practice that, but, but try to practice breathing instead of yelling instead of using colorful language because it's just going to encourage others to do the same thing. And then nothing gets solved because you just yelled at each other and got angry. And then remember when you're trying to peacefully keep control that empathy wins every time. Empathy is the most impactful gift that you can give. Be empathetic. Okay, now that we've talked about prep, place, posing the question, listening, peacefully keeping control, let's look at resolution conflict. I'm going to break it into the communication categories, verbal, vocal, and nonverbal. So remember verbal are the words that you say, and vocal is how you say it. Nonverbal is all of the outside pieces, your face, your voice, all of the other pieces, the environment even, or like how you set it up. Those are sending a message. So your nonverbal, remember, is 55% of your message, and verbal is only 7% of your message, making that your vocal piece worth 38%. There's the breakdown in the power of importance. But let's start with verbal because it's what our mind thinks about first. So in a conflict that I'm trying to resolve, tips for the verbal category. Start with a question. And I said that earlier, think about holding space for them and starting with a question and then just listening to their answer. Said that already. Let's start with the question. Summarizing is a great tip. Get rid of misunderstanding gaps with verbal. And then remember the power of pausing, which is you not being verbal. That tip is probably the most powerful. The power of a good pause gives people the opportunity to breathe, think, listen, come back and share more. So we're starting with a question. You're summarizing what you know, what you think they're saying, and you're just filling in the gaps of misinformation. So what does that look like and sound like? In the world of verbal, a summarization might sound like what I'm hearing you say is X, Y, Z. Did I understand that correctly? And that can be very powerful because it gives people the opportunity to say, no, that's not what I meant. And it gives them time to expand more or correct what might have been an information gap, even from that question that you've asked. Being able to summarize, okay, is, is this what you meant by this? Or is this what you're saying? Am I understanding this correctly? It also makes people feel like you're engaged enough to want to understand their side, which is a beautiful gift in the middle of conflict, which hopefully is authentic and acknowledging them verbally, which would, you know, help showcase that you care, 
could sound like, I see why this is so important to you. Or tell me more. Maybe when you get to a hard spot and you don't know what to say, but you're trying to resolve or understand more, can you tell me a little bit more about this piece? Or, man, I see why this was so frustrating to you. Just acknowledging that somebody was frustrated, acknowledging that the other party could be hurt too and that you're not the only one that's hurt, acknowledging that this was worth them fighting for. Think about that on the flip for you. If you're mad and someone has come to have a meeting with you, if you're frustrated, you and a leader are frustrated or you and your spouse are frustrated and your leadership has said, I need you to come meet me, take a walk with me, whatever. And they ask you a question and they just listen. And then they say, you know, I see why this was so important to you. That acknowledgement, imagine how that feels. What it does for the other party is it automatically takes some defenses down because you're acknowledging this was worth being important. Feeling seen and heard is literally half the battle. You can share that by verbally acknowledging with the phrase, steal it, use it. The summarization and the acknowledgements are great ways to help set the tone for navigating that conflict. Now, things to be aware of are interrupting. When you ask a question, you cannot open your mouth. You have to not interrupt. You've got to let them get all the things out. Sit for at least 60 seconds. And, and until you get used to doing that, it might be a little bit difficult. So you may even have to kind of count it out in your head when you're starting that uh, tool, starting to use that tool. But sitting for 60 seconds just to let them talk. And you know what? At first, it's weird. I promise you, if you just sit for 60 seconds and let somebody have space, they're going to say something. If you don't know what to say, you can just sit with them for a second. Let them sit until they're ready to talk. Give them the opportunity to start the conversation or to continue on with their thought or to collect themselves, whatever that pause is needed for. Just be really aware of interrupting. Okay, so you probably heard what I did there. I did tips, looks and sound like, and be aware of for verbal. We're going to do that again with vocal, okay? So remember, vocal is how you say it. That's infliction, lack thereof, your tone, which tone is really important in a conflict. Okay, so vocal tips are keep a neutral tone and also acknowledge their tone. So if their tone is very short and sharp, I would be aware of that. You can even acknowledge that, but you don't fall into that trap. Now, what that looks and sounds like for vocal is a calm, slow, steady pace and a consistent volume. And when you start to get riled up and your heart starts racing and you're ready to possibly throw down and start yelling, take that breath at three seconds in, not three seconds out, and slow your words. Like make that your active choice internally to slow down your speech. Because if you can slow down your speech, you can create a calmness within yourself that can keep you from continuing to escalate. So just taking on a slower pace can help you navigate your vocal tone. Now, you should be aware of, is your tone sounding disrespectful? That might be hard to catch. It's hard for me to catch sometimes when I get super frustrated because you're trying to exist in this frustrating conversation. A disrespectful tone is coming out because you feel disrespected or you're frustrated, which is understandable. So your tone might be a hard thing to grasp, but if you catch yourself being disrespectful, take that three seconds in and three seconds out. 
slow down your pace so that your brain can catch up and get a hold of your emotions. All right, nonverbal tips. Find a comfortable place that's open without obstacles. We talked about that in the first four tips for interpersonal conflict, but that helps set a tone. If you walk into a space where there's this huge desk and I've got a high chair and you've got a low chair across the desk from me that shows power, I'm walking into a firing squad is what it's going to feel like. There's no negotiating that. Now, I know that there's times closing conflict, right? Times when there's there's big issues and I'm not trying to resolve it and, and there is a problem. Fine. Understandable. I can feel some of the administrators listening going, wait a second, you're telling me to move away from my desk? Yes, I am if you want a good resolution, if you want people to break down walls in front of you, if you want people to feel like we can have a conversation. So that's up to you and how you do it. But I do think it's powerful. It helps set the tone. Okay, what does that look like and sound like? What does good nonverbal look like and sound like? It looks like listening to understand. Earlier I said, listen from the back of your head. That's what it looks like. You are completely in. Your whole body is listening. And you're thinking before you speak, which means you've got to give yourself this buffer. Shut your mouth down. Turn your ears on. Make sure you're processing it in your brain. Take the pause, the power of the pause, remember, and then speak. That's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. And then, of course, you're being aware of reactions not remaining neutral during that listening. You're being aware of your faces that you make. You're being aware of crossing your arms because you're frustrated. You're being aware of trying to overpower the other party with body language. That is going to change the child. Remember that nonverbal communication is the majority of your message. So if you are trying to overpower with nonverbal, congratulations, you might say all the right things. You might have a smile on your face, but it's going to feel awful if you've got your hands crossed and your chair two feet above theirs or even six inches above theirs. So think through those pieces uh, that create a nonverbal space that can create success in resolving conflict. I think out of that resolution conflict, the most important thing that I can say is just acknowledging and summarizing, setting the tone. Those pieces are really, really impactful. All of that requires that you are listening, that you're pausing, that you're turning off your anger and turning on active listening skills so that you are giving the other party the respect that they deserve and the respect you would also like. So if we're leading by example, imagine a time that the roles are reversed. Lead by example in how you think this person should resolve conflict. So I'm just going to go into the classroom space. If you're the kind of principal that is able to do this successfully, you are showcasing your skills and these skills. You're teaching your people to do this with students. You are teaching your people to do this with parents. So how you behave and how you resolve conflict is going to bleed off into whoever you are leading. So you're talking kids, you're talking clients, you're talking your team. I love thinking through the lens of you get what you give. I know I say it too often. Okay, closing conflict. Again, we're breaking it down into verbal, vocal, nonverbal tips, looks and sounds like, and be aware of. So verbal tips are keep it clean. Closing conflict is already going to be sad or frustrating if we're not going to resolve what's happening next. Just keep it clean. Get straight to the point. There needs to be no mixed messaging. In the world of verbal conflict that is closing, that we are done, I'm breaking this off with you, we're never getting back together, like ever, or <laughs> you have messed up. 
to a point that I have to let you go, whatever it is, if it's black and white, there's no gray, there's no resolution because that does exist in the world. Let's not pretend for a second that everything's going to be resolved. Keep it clean and get straight to the point because if you start with, hey, how are the kids? That feels weird. You, you need to be able to have a clean message so there is no mixed messaging. And what that could look and sound like if you're like, where do I start? You could start with the statement, I assume you know why you're here. Because maybe they know they messed up. Maybe they don't. And that gives them the opportunity to share out where they actually are. And it helps share where you're about to have to fill gaps. But I assume you know why you're here. An easy way to start that gets straight to the point. Be aware of words you can't take back. If somebody's recording this, what does that look like this time that I fired that person or broke off this relationship? Does this get played back on me? Just really be aware because once it comes out of your mouth, and I did this illustration at my student leadership summit, like the kids had their rolls of toothpaste, right? And they, okay, it's a race. Get all the toothpaste out of the tube and now try to put it back. And the kids looked at me like, I'm stupid. I'm like, yeah, no, because you can't. You can't put it back. You can apologize, but you can't undo harsh words. You can't undo awful things that impact hearts in a way that is not beneficial. So be careful with what you say. And and I'd like to say, be aware of playing the victim. Imagine you're the doctor telling the patient that they have cancer and the doctor comes in and says, I am so, so, so sorry. It's not your cancer, right? You have to be careful about turning it into your problem. I'm so sorry to have to do this to you, but are you sorry? Why, why are we throwing in mixed messaging? If I'm breaking up with you because it's a bad relationship and it's toxic for me, I made this choice. Be infer. If it's black and white, keep it black and white. Be clear in what you are saying. Don't play the victim because that makes the person being fired feel stuck. Do I need to, to console the person firing me or the person telling me that I have awful disease? Do I need to take care of my own feelings? And then when I've got this mixed messaging in my head, my feelings are haywire on, do I need to take care of you or take care of me? And that, and then it sometimes teeters on how professional is this conversation? So be aware of playing the victim verbal. All right, vocal. Tips are keep a neutral tone. It's kind of the same. You want to watch your tone. And that looks like the same. Calm, steady pace, slow, a consistent volume. There's no sense in raising your voice. And you know, that might be hard if they're upset, but you, if you're the person leading the closing conflict, then you have to keep a calm, steady, consistent space. And that is up to you no matter where their reactions are. And be aware of letting their emotions affect your emotions. It's very easy for somebody to get angry and yell, and then you get angry and yell. Or for somebody to cry, and for me to need to cry. You have to be ready to navigate a reaction that maybe they deserve or need to have, but their emotions do not need to be your emotions. Be very careful about letting that affect your emotions and heighten the intensity or the frustration. Okay, nonverbal tip for closing conflict is use neutral facials and neutral body language. Of course, that can look like and sound like your eyes being kind. Watch your eye contact. There's a difference. Keep them kind. Don't sit there with your crossed arms. Don't tap your hands. Take big breaths. And of course, and be aware of nonverbal. This one's a little little silly, but I feel like I'm going to say it. You're going to be like, yep, I know somebody who's like that. Watch smiling. 
I know so many people that when they get really nervous, they smile. The worst thing you can do when you're trying to fire someone or break up with someone or uh, have a some sort of tough conversation that is non-negotiable is to sit there and smile about it. That makes people uncomfortable. It makes it seem like it's a joke to you. So if you're one of those people that has that nervous tick, fight it. Because smiling when there is something really tough for the person sitting across the table from you, uh, that can be a really negative uh, feeling that you give off if you smile. And then, of course, negative body language, which we just said what those negative pieces could look like. So there are some closing conflict tips and tricks. And the most important tip is don't avoid real conversations because you're trying to avoid conflict. Don't avoid conflict because if you're avoiding it, guess what? It's still there. It's just living under the rug, getting worse and worse and worse. A couple of overall tips that I kind of want to close out with is don't debate with someone else's feelings because that is non-negotiable. They get to feel the way they feel. And you can't tell me how to feel. I get to tell myself to work on my feelings and I can tell you how I feel, but you cannot tell me how I should feel, which means use statements that start with I instead of you on the flip side, right? Because I don't need to say you make me feel it's I feel X, Y, Z because of be careful about making it about you. You did this to me. No, not necessarily. This is your choice and your emotion or how it's impacted you, which could very well impact someone else differently. So when you're on the flip of that, um, make sure that those are I statements and not you statements. Another great tip is stay curious. I've said it, I think a couple of times, questions are your best friend. Asking curious questions can help you understand perspective and can help give empathy. So you've got to stay curious. Stay curious about especially in resolution, how can we fix this? And where are we at? And what made you feel that way? And where are those passion points or problem areas? I think really does help to always start by assuming good intent. And in conflict, it's pretty common that we don't start with assuming the best. Even in politics today, we have such a huge, sad divide. And I don't think the divide is what's sad. It's okay that we have differing opinions. What's not great is that we don't think it's okay to have differing opinions. What's awful is that there are people that treat each other like crap because they don't agree. Listen, the world is full of opinions and conflict. What you do with that conflict and how you handle that conflict is part of how you are seen. It's part of your legacy. So if you want to be seen and known as someone who is kind and thoughtful, how you handle conflict has got to be kind and thoughtful. If you want to be seen as somebody who is a change maker, doing great things in this world. Okay. What does that look like in conflict? How are you doing great things in conflict and making positive change? You can't just cut someone off because you disagree. I mean, you can, you can, you absolutely can. And then you won't make a positive impact in that space. You just cut off part of your circle. In a world where we struggle to kindly disagree and acknowledge different opinions in respectful ways, it is important that we learn to communicate through conflict. All right, so your challenge this week is to think about one of the conflict tips that I've given you and find a place that you can utilize that tip to see if it helps you communicate through conflict. If you don't have any conflict this week, congratulations. Maybe just look at those communication codes, nonverbal, verbal, and vocal, and just maybe be a little more aware of 
your nonverbal communication or your vocal and verbal, but nonverbal holds a lot of weight. That's your challenge for this week. The big takeaways are you have to think through verbal, vocal, and nonverbal to communicate well. Conflict is not bad. Learning how to navigate and communicate through conflict is the goal. And stay curious, ask curious questions, and then actively listen to those answers. Okay, so our quote for the day is from Thomas Crum. He's an author and a presenter on conflict resolution. I love this quote. He says, the quality of our lives depends not on whether or not we have conflicts, but on how we respond to them. All right, guys, have a wonderful week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast. They don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. All right, I'll see you next week.